I'm Associate Pastor here along with Lead Pastor Rollin Fisher and we're so excited that you have chose to join us today this February 11th if you're watching it today the the day that it's going uh, going live uh, it's the last Sunday before uh, Valentine's Day which is a very special day for my wife and I because back in 2014 I got the infamous text message from her father that said I authorize you to date my daughter <laughs> and here we are now we've been married six years uh, this uh, uh, summer will mark our seventh year and we have one baby and we're so excited about that I hope Valentine's Day is special for you whoever you choose to spread your love on may it be blessed well guys, I'm not here to talk about Valentine's Day today. We're in part five of our sermon series called Abide. And so for the last uh, four weeks, with this being the fifth week, we've gone through part one, which was the Word became flesh, where we talked about how the Word of God, the Logos, the mind of God, was incarnated in Jesus Christ. The, the, uh, 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 the, the virgin birth, and then everything He did to prove His deity, and then the Word became flesh. Part two, the Word gives life, that God is life Himself and He came to give us life. Part three, the Word feeds our spirit, so the Word sustains us at our very inner being so that we can have the life and be sustained. And then part four, the Word sets us free from all the things that steal kill, destroy the life of God. The Word sets us free from those things so that we can produce righteousness. And that takes us in today, part five, which is the Word bears fruit. So today we're going to talk about how the Word of God, the mind of God, how the Son of God works in us to produce the fruit, the life, the outcome that God has intended for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you that you created and now you redeem and you save and you sustain. And now, God, we ask that you would make our hearts and our minds fertile soil, that as your word comes in, that it would produce love for you and produce the fruits of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So guys, we are going to jump into John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. But first, before we read the scripture, I have a little story I want to share with you. It's a story, it's brief, it has to do with cars and gas gauges. And some of you are probably laughing right now, because when you think of cars and gas gauges, you probably have some events in the past, I hope you don't, um, but I do, but mine is a little uh, peculiar. So, when I was a young man in my mid-twenties, early-twenties, figuring out life, uh, <laughs> somebody gave me a car. I was very thankful for this car. It uh, got me from point A to point B, but this car that had 200,000 miles on it uh, had a couple of deficiencies to it. One of those deficiencies was the gas gauge. I was told that the gas gauge may be inaccurate. So, best practice when driving this particular car is when you get down to half a tank of gas, just go ahead and fill it up just in case because that gas gauge may not be accurate. So, at that time in my life, I was a man living very modestly. I didn't always have enough money to even put in half a tank of gas at a time into that gas tank. So I'd put $5 there, $10 there, whatever I had, 
get a little down below half a tank, you know, hopefully I make it. And then there was one week, I think it was a Tuesday, where that gas gauge proved to be broken. I ran out of gas on the side of the highway. So I got out of the car, I was like, you know, they warned me about this. I got out of the car, uh, walked to the gas station, bought a gas can, put some gas in there, walked back, put gas in the car, cranked it up, yep, it was out of gas, and went on. I am <laughs> ashamed to admit, but this is part of repentance, right? I am ashamed to admit that I ran out of gas three times in one week that week because I did not learn my lesson about the broken gas gauge. Pretty embarrassing, but that sets up our talk for today when we're talking about the word bears fruit. Well, the word that was given to me did not produce the fruit of obedience and how to treat that gas tank and do what I need to do. And I suffered the consequences by running out of gas three times. I was warned and I did not listen. So that sets us up <laughs> uh, for today's uh, talk. So let's dive right into the scripture now. John 15 verses 1 through 11. The Lord Jesus talking here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word. And God, we ask that you open our hearts again right now. So we're breaking this up into four little sections. It's going to be a short message today. We're going to talk about the vine, and then we're going to talk about the vine dresser, and then we're going to talk about the fruit, excuse me, then we're going to talk about the branches, and then the fruit. So let's jump right in. So verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, if you've been following along, we've been going through John, and Jesus says, I am, seven times in the Gospel of John, and this was the final time that he said it. And this is a reflection of when God in Genesis revealed himself to Moses, when Moses turned aside, and then God spoke to him, saying, Moses, Moses. And he came over, he said he was on holy ground, and then he began to reveal himself to him. And he said, I am, it was his name. And so Jesus here is saying, I am. God. I am God incarnate. I am the divine one. So he's expressing his deity to us again. And so then he says, my father 
is the vine dresser. So there we go. Two times, one verse. How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten words, and Jesus twice is expressing his divinity to us. And we have to get this. If we're ever going to take the word of God seriously, the words of Jesus as the words of God, that we let transform us as they wash over us and they change us as they circumcise our hearts and give us faith, producing a life of righteousness in us, we have to know that they are the words of God. So he says, I am, and then he says, my father. He equates God, the uncreated one, as his father. He's essentially saying we are one. Now, what we know, need to know about the vine is Jesus says, I am the true vine, the true source and sustainer of life. Now, if Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine, that must mean that there are other vines out there that claim to be true, but are actually false. And so he wants to separate us from things that promise to give life that are not actually connected to the vine of life, which is Jesus Christ himself. So instead of giving life, they actually take away life. And so instead of producing fruit, in us that lasts, they actually steal, kill, and destroy us. So Jesus is the true source of life. So have you ever, <laughs> this is so frustrating, have you ever plugged something into an extension cord and it doesn't work and you try to figure out what's going on, the extension cord broke, and then finally after whatever amount of time, you actually check the cord to see if it was plugged in, the extension cord, and sure enough, nope, the cat chewed through it, it wasn't plugged in, whatever, it wasn't connected to the source. How many times do we plug into things thinking they're going to give us life, but they're not even plugged into the source? And so he wants to reroute us and give us a direct connection to him, the vine, the true vine, the true source of life. Now, um, now, Jesus wants us to know this through his repetition, that he indeed is one with God his Father, and that we can trust him. We can trust him. If we do not come to a place of trust, we will never obey. We'll never choose to abide, to live in him and in his word, because we'll wonder if he's trustworthy. And so he wants us to know that. Now, Jesus is not only the true vine, he is the good shepherd. And so he's not going to mislead us. When he says, I am the source of life, it's because he's the good shepherd and he's trying to shepherd us to what God has for us. Now, what we see is that uh, Jesus proved that he is the source of life because he also said in Scripture that I lay my life down again and I've been given authority to pick it up. And so we see that after he went to the grave three days later, he came back out of the grave, proving that death had no hold on him. He truly is the source of life, and he's the good shepherd that takes us there. Now, all who have come before Jesus and after Jesus, claiming to be the prophesied and promised Messiah, were and are false, and they're not able to deliver eternal life. Now, I want you to think about people that have been in your life or programs that have been in your life that have proved that if you just do these 10 steps, if you just do this, this one thing, you're going to be set free totally and completely forever. Now, those things can be good to help modify our behaviors, to help us set new rhythms and disciplines in our life, but they're not the source of life. When those things are based on Jesus, the true source of life, and His words, we open ourselves up for Him to work in us. And so, uh, those are good in that regard. Now, as Jesus said in the previous chapter in John 14, He said, No one comes to the Father except 
through me. Why would Jesus say that? Is Jesus trying to reject people and say that he doesn't want some people? No. Jesus is the most real realist that there has ever been. Jesus is saying that there is no other way. It's just not possible. This is the way things work. There's one God. There's one mediator between God and man, and I am he. And so there is no other way. If there was another way that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, surely it would have been revealed. But there's not. So he's saying that no one can come to the Father except through me because I am the true vine. I am the source of life. And so we've got to get that in us as well. We've got to put the, the blinders on, so to speak, to where we stop looking for life. But this is where I'm so glad that the Scripture says, Come, taste and see that I am good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He, that's why Jesus walked around doing miracles, healing people, healing leprosy, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, casting out demons. He was letting people taste and see that God is good and that they would stop looking, that He is the source of life, and He will flush out everything when we trust in Him so that we can have pure life. Now, Acts 17, 28 in the New Testament is a great reminder to us. It says, in Him, meaning in God, in Christ, in the Word incarnate, in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. So everything we are, from the very beginning until today, and then the new life that goes on for eternal, everlasting, is in the true vine, is in Jesus Christ. Now, I have a question for you. The question is, what are some false vines, because Jesus is the true vine as opposed to false vines, that present themselves to you promising life but have failed, or you know they can't deliver? What are they? Take a second. Think about it. For some of us, maybe it's been religion. Maybe we've grown up in religious circles or spiritual circles or church, and they say, attach yourself to my to-do list and work your way to God. Well, that is not the true, religion is not the true vine. Maybe for some of us, it's our conscience. We think, I'm not religious. I don't need an organized system of beliefs. I'm just going to obey my conscience. That's it. Well, I'm telling you, that's not going to work either because even our conscience is defiled just by being in the world. And so we can't trust it. We have to have a more stable source than that. Maybe it, for some of us it's been self-fulfillment, becoming the best, the most successful in our industry. If we can do that, then we'll feel that pleasure, that, that joy or that power knowing that we have accomplished it. But I'm telling you, that's not going to do it either. And then for some of us, we thought, if I can just fly above the problems, if I can just enter nirvana, so to speak, if I can detach, that, 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 that will be it. That's when everything will be right in my life. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not going to do it either, friends. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God. No one comes to eternal life except through me, the true vine, and abiding in me and being plugged into me, the word of life. Now, guys, we're going we're gonna to move on, and we're going to talk about the vine dresser. So the key here to know is that Jesus' Father is the vine dresser. What does that mean? Well, here we see the relationship that God the Father and God the Son have. 
The son submits to the judgments of the father as the owner of the vineyard, right? The self-existent one created all things by himself, for himself, and for his pleasure. Um, he's the owner of the vineyard, and he's the one who chooses what is best for the vineyard as well. He is the judge, the one who discerns between what is good and what is evil. So he's the one that can choose what fruit he wants to produce with his creation. We're the potter. He's the clay. He can form us however he wants. As one person has said, we are the change in his pocket, and he can spend us however he wants. He can use our lives and form them to produce what he wants to produce. And so the vine dresser's goal, though, to be crystal clear, what the Father's goal is for you and I, those of us that are in Christ, is that we would be fruitful. And everything he does is for the good of the vine in becoming fruitful. Where we're created to bring him glory. You and I created in the image of God to represent him, to know him, to image him everywhere that we go in the earth. And when we are fruitful, because he is fruitful, he's the God who speaks, and as he speaks, galaxies are formed. As he speaks, the doe gives birth. As he speaks, mountains are moved. As he speaks, fig trees are, are withered in an instant. This is the God that we serve. Now, God, he is, number one, the cultivator, the father. He's the pruner, and he is the protector of his people. Everything he does for us when we're in Christ Jesus is for our good to produce those fruits. And we're going to talk about pruning, and we're going to talk about his protecting. So the branches, let's go there. We're running out of time already. The branches cannot produce life on their own as they must draw life from the vine. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to think about it. Imagine a branch that you find on the ground and you hear, and you're like, what are you doing, branch? And the branch is like, I'm trying to produce fruit. I'm trying to get back and get connected to that vine. Well, at least he knows he needs to get connected to the vine, but no amount of work for something that is dead can produce fruit. The scripture says that you and I, that we are dead in our transgressions and sins. Dead. Dead. Not just unfruitful. Dead. How can a dead anything produce anything? By being connected to Christ. That's how. That is how. God raises the dead and he makes them fruitful. And that is the gospel message. He takes us who were dead and lost in our transgressions and sins and says, if you'll turn to me, I'll do the miracle of making you born again, giving you new life. And then not only that, I'll use you. I'll make you fruitful for all of eternity as you abide in Christ. That is the gospel today. And so abiding in Christ is to keep in fellowship with him so that his life can work in and through us to produce his fruit. Now this implies a submission to you and I to let him produce his fruit in our lives. We cannot have our dream in his dream. Our dream must, as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. All of it. The truth is that to come and be connected to Christ, we have to surrender. And that means that he calls all people 
to surrender all things to Him. It's an all-or-nothing proposition, but the truth is, <laughs> we were dead in our transgressions and we get life. So really, what are we giving up? Those dreams that we had that were Christless, that were godless, they weren't going to produce what we wanted anyway. And so it's a great exchange where we actually get eternal life for giving Him something that's dead. Oh boy, that's a miracle, and I'm so excited He does that for us. Now, the thing about being branches, when we're reading the Scriptures, um, all who call themselves Christians are considered branches in this passage. Okay, But not all who call themselves Christians are actually attached to the true vine. What do I mean by that? Let's go on. Every branch or every follower of Jesus who says, I know him, will either be taken away or pruned. Now, every true believer attached to the true vine will bear fruit and be pruned in order to be more fruitful. So there's a cycle, right? If we're attached to Christ, he'll produce his life in us, which will produce fruit, and then we'll be pruned, and we'll produce more fruit, and we'll be pruned again, and we'll produce more fruit, and we'll be pruned again. That is the life cycle. Some have said it this way, God will take us from glory to glory. I love the way that that says that. Now, the, what about the branches who do not bear fruit that the scripture was talking about? Now, the branches who do not bear fruit are false disciples who will be taken away, gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. There's a, uh, a, a, a progress that we see there. They're, they're taken away. They're revealed when they come into the light of Christ to not be truly um, children of God, uh, disciples of Christ, because they haven't produced the fruit. And then they'll be gathered. They'll come together with others. And then they'll be thrown into the fire and burned, which is the final judgment. Now, God is slow. He's not slow in keeping his promises, but he's patient with us. And so time will tell as we persevere in Christ where we're at. Now, I'm so thankful about the example of the man hanging on the cross beside Jesus, who in that moment, as he turned to Jesus and said, you don't deserve this, but I do. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise because you've repented and trusted in me by faith. And there were a lot of people out there who thought that guy was never going to make it in, and they were sure he didn't. But Jesus knew his heart, and in that moment, he did. But you and I, we're not right there beside Jesus in our last moments. He's given us time to produce the fruit, and I'm so thankful that he has. So let's abide in him and let him do it. Now, our sincere faith is proven through the fruit that grows as we abide in Christ. One of my favorite scriptures that describes this to us in a little more detail is 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5-11, through 11, which says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, like we were talking about. You may have faith, but let's... Let's see it get worked out here. You may be abiding in Christ, but let's see. Uh, to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities, or we could say fruits, right? If these qualities or fruits are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge or, or in knowing 
and abiding in our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, yes, I have thick glasses on, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So guys, as we allow Jesus to produce his life in us by allowing him to to prune us, but then also praying Psalm 139 there at the end where King David says, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything that needs to be pruned and lead me in the way everlasting, which means lead me back to abiding in you if I've gone astray. Okay, let's talk just, to, just for a moment about fruit and we'll wrap up here. Fruitful, the fruit. Fruitfulness is a, is a byproduct of staying in the vine. Fruitfulness is a byproduct of staying in the vine. If you put water in the freezer, it's going to freeze. It's the byproduct of the environment that it's in. And so when we abide in Christ, when we remain in His Word, when we obey Him because we love Him, we will be fruitful. You don't have to worry about it. Stop stressing out, man. Just abide in Christ. Abide in His Word. He's going to transform your mind. He's going to circumcise your heart. And you're going to grow as He removes these things that hinder growth in your life. If you belong to Christ, you will be fruitful. It is a promise. Now, branches do not concern themselves with what kind or how much fruit they produce. Their main concern should be abiding in the vine, or their main concern should be loving Christ by obeying Him. Now, staying or abiding in the vine produces the fruits that we see listed very clearly in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, uh, along with what we saw in 2 Peter a moment ago. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first one. That's the main one. Love for God, love for self, and then love for others as we love our neighbor as ourselves. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Oh, man, Lord, produce it in us. Peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. So the person abiding in Christ has been set free from the law of sin and death. And now we live by the law of the Spirit. And we're not concerned when we're abiding in Christ. He will produce what He wants to produce if we just abide in Him. And let him have his way. Now Jesus says, if you love me, as we read earlier, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's no way of getting around it. Love for God is equated with our trust, our faith, that leads to obedience. That's it. Now love can start, but it will eventually work its way out in obedience. And so I want to encourage you, if, you, if you've come to Christ, if you're saying, Cole, Pastor Cole, I love Christ. I love Jesus. I know He gave His life for me, and I know He's the Lord. I, I know it, but I haven't been living. Get baptized, please. Stop beating around the bush. Just get baptized. That's the first thing you can do is a public confession of your love for Jesus. Just like the man and the woman who go to the altar of marriage publicly because they love each other and make a public declaration. Do it. Quit putting it off. First Sunday in March. Talk to us. We're going to get you hooked up.
Jesus says, if you'll love me, you will keep my commandments. Abiding in his love breeds more love. So the more that you come to him and trust him and abide in his love, you'll begin to love him. And the more you keep trusting and obeying, it breeds more love, more trust, more obedience. As you can see here, this leads to the fruit of righteousness. Your life begins to change because of love. Well, maybe we are talking about Valentine's Day today as well. Now, this increasing love for Jesus will also cause us to, as the Scripture says, keep in step with the Spirit, which means as the Spirit is moving and guiding, yes, we have the Word of God that bears fruit, but the Spirit leads us to the Word as well and can help us bear fruit. So we keep in step with the Spirit as He makes, as the Spirit of Jesus makes disciples among us, and we get a new desire for the lost, which leads us to missions local and abroad. Now, this obedience that comes from love that we now have, in turn, renews our mind and we begin to pray differently. We begin to pray not what we want. We get to pray what brings glory to Jesus, what brings glory to the Father, because we love Him. And we begin to pray God's will and not our own. And it, we make our prayers align with what God wants to do, which leads to answered prayers, what we read earlier in the Scripture. It says that uh, He will answer the prayers of the person who abides in Christ. Why? Because we're praying for His glory. And so our prayers even change. If you're confused today, you've got decisions to make, you're not sure what God's will is, just stop. Abide in Christ, read His Word, read His teachings, and let Him direct you. And He'll even change how you pray. So I encourage you to do that. Now, there are a couple of action points we're going to take home from this today. So number one is because He's the true vine, and so He uh, reveals if, the, if we are true disciples. And so my question is, do you call yourself a Christian? So check your fruit to see if you are a true disciple, abiding in the true vine of Christ. And the number one fruit, which is the basis of it, is do you have love for Christ that leads to obedience? And we can all grow in it, but just check yourself and see. That way you're not deceived in any way. Number two, ask God to show you where he has been pruning you. God disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines the son he delights in. So ask him to show you and if you've been resisting, say, Whew, forgive me for getting up off the operating table. I'm sorry. And just let him do it because it's for your benefit so you can produce the fruits of the kingdom. And then join, a community out, join the community outreach group as you begin to produce the fruits of the kingdom and you begin to grow in love not only for God but for him and his mission, what he wants to do. And you begin to recognize the lost around you who aren't producing the fruits of the kingdom, which is probably a sign that they don't know Christ, which they're going to be eternally separated if they don't. Wow, let's join our community outreach group that's happening so we can begin to serve our city and our neighborhoods and then get the gospel to them as well. Or if you're feeling really ambitious, you can sign up for our Charleston missions trip that is coming up and you can go and help share the gospel on the campuses of the universities in Charleston. But guys, just in summary, when we abide in Christ, the Word will produce fruit. It will bear fruit and fruit that lasts. 
Our prayers will change. We'll pray what God wants. He'll answer those prayers and we'll be fruitful and He'll receive glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would search our hearts, that you would see if there's any wicked way in us, and that you would lead us in the way everlasting. God, I pray for those who don't know the love of Christ, that they would know the great lengths that he came from heaven, born of a virgin, led a perfect life for them, for me, for all sinners, and we've all sinned. And then you died on the cross, the great exchange, the good shepherd dying for the straying sheep that we may be saved. And you rose from the dead three days later to prove that you are the source of life. And you said, all who trust and believe in you, they turn from their sin and say, wow, I've seen your love for me, and now I love you. I want to follow you, Jesus. Please help me that you'll give them eternal life. So God, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit right now as they repent and believe this good news. And God, I pray that you would help us to grow in love for you, that we would want to abide with you, that we would always seek your word. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make us a people that produce fruit that lasts and that we would bear much fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. The fruit of love and righteousness, obedience to you. And then Lord, the fruit of loving others and helping them come to know you as well, populating heaven. So Heavenly Father, we submit this, this to you and we ask that you would do what only you can do and that you would uh, produce the fruits of the kingdom in us for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, be sure and go to our website, click the New Life in Christ button, and we can help you get started on that walk. But now let's go back into a time of worship, thanking God for the gift of Christ that he's given for us.